Lights, camera, action. Today we have producer extraordinaire Scott Franklin with us today. He started producing for Darren Aronofsky on the feature film The Wrestler in 2008, but goes back with Darren on the team, going back to Darren's first film, Pi, where he was associate producer and has worked continuously with Darren Aronofsky throughout his career. I have known Scott since producing, since he produced The Wrestler, and have known Darren going back to when he was a student at Harvard in the early 90s. I could not be more thrilled than to have my friend, Scott Franklin, on Conversations with Charlie today. Thanks for coming, brother. My pleasure, Charlie. Looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. We got through that. That was pretty good. Well done. So well the, done. The journey, the journey um, uh, uh, for you uh, is confusing to me because we met on on when you worked on the wrestler i i i i know darren going back to when he was a student at harvard he kind of roosted around me when he was making pie but we never met during pie and requiem i i certainly knew eric watson i knew ann ruark i knew a lot of the people that were on those jobs and then you became the presence as producer for darren on the wrestler and then after that the rest is history uh you were at ohio state and then went i think I, but I don't know much. Like, I, I actually want to know, I want to know more about your history. How did you go? How does a guy from, a, a, a guy from Ohio State who studied, I guess, communications, I don't know, end up going to LA and then maybe coming to New York and joining Darren Aronofsky as an associate producer on his first film? How did this, how did that meeting take place and how did things begin for you? Tell me, brother. Oh man, I mean, you know that that you're, you're running a, a a large window there, Charlie. That, that's a gamut. Um, you know, I, yeah, I was a student at Ohio State, but I had always dreamed of um, working in the film industry. Um, I didn't know for sure what capacity, and you know, being a kid from Long Island and not really being all that um, familiar with uh, with with the business of the arts, and not having any family or friends that were. In it, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know that there was such a thing as film school, and and let's just say, I, I, maybe I wasn't the greatest student in the world, or that even at the time, if I knew I would want to go to film school. So um, I just knew when I, you know, look, when I was a little kid, um, you know, my father's a huge movie fan, and when I was a little kid, I would, I would love going to the movies with my dad, and um, he would pull me out of school, uh, say I had a dentist appointment, and I thought I was going to the dentist, and. There I am, you know, he's making me cut the line for Empire Strikes Back, you know. Um, you know, we watched, I remember, you know, The Warriors together when I was, when I was a little kid, all kinds of films. And um, so I, I was always a big fan of, of the movies and, and, and of cinema and of film. And um, so, you know, when I left Ohio State, I just uh, went out to L.A. I didn't really know many people. I, I had, you know, one friend at the time who was an assistant to uh, – to an agent, another friend who was working as a PA in music videos and whatnot, you know, I was 21, 22 years old. Um, so I, I latched, hooked up with them and I started working as a, um, as a PA on, in music videos and uh, commercials. And, uh, you know, I, I was learning. Um, and what, I, years, what years are we now? Now, give, give, me, give me some time span. When, when 95, 90, 94, 95. So you moved to LA 94, 95. Okay. So that's interesting. Good. Got it. The context is there. Yeah. Um, I lived there for, I think about nine months and, and, and I hated it. Um, 
you know, I, I, I didn't really love working as a PA in music videos and commercials, just doing lockups and, and kind of, you know, menial tasks. But I, you know, I was ambitious and, and, and I met a lot of people and um, through, you know, meeting one person to the next person, I met a guy who was, uh, became friendly with the guy who was a manager at the time who was friends with Darren. He wasn't Darren's manager. I just got to talking and saying, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, what do you want to do? And, you know, I said, look, I, I want to work in film. You know, I, I think I want to take the producing track. I've learned a lot working my way up in the music video commercial world. Um, but I want to learn, you know, film producing. And that's that's what I want to do. Um, so, you know, and, I, and just in conversation, I said, you know, I miss New York. I hate working in L.A., um, which which over the years I have come to love L.A. But at the time, you know, it wasn't really clicking for me. Um, so uh, he said, look, I've got a, a friend who's, uh, you know, AFI grad and uh, he, he's going to, you know, he's, he's going to be a great filmmaker and he's, um, you know, starting up a film in Brooklyn uh, with no budget, no money. And he's looking for all kinds of crew and, and producing help. Um, and so he put me in touch with Darren who said he, you know, they had this no budget movie. They were trying to make it for, I think, 60s. That, I don't remember, you know, $65,000 or something. And um, and uh, he put us in touch. Darren sent me the script. I read it. I loved it, you know. And uh, I figured if I'm going to go work for free like everyone else on the movie, the only place I can work for free is back home in New York and back home with my parents. And so that's what I did. I moved back to New York, and I came on as an assistant to the producer, Eric Watson, who um, is one of my closest friends to this day and was a great mentor of mine. And I, I learned a lot from Eric and from Darren. Um, and... Uh, moved back to New York and became, uh, you know, started working on Pi and eventually became the associate producer on Pi. I worked in a similar capacity under Eric on Requiem for a Dream and became a co-producer on Requiem for a Dream. And uh, that, that's how I got my start and that's how I met Darren. And then you did those two films. I mean, I, I, I you know, with, with Darren, I, I mean, I, I literally got to meet him when he was making his first student film, Supermarket Sweep, and, and his, his first stuff when he was at Harvard before he went to AFI and had kind of a personal relationship that continued on. Even when he was making pie and I was a Technicolor, he, they came by to ask if they could find help for the, the black and white uh, puzzle that they had to get through the way that they shot on 16 Reversal and all that. So, but... The, the thing that's interesting to me is, is you, you went through those two films and then Darren goes off and does a film uh, in, in, in Canada. He, he shot, it was in Montreal, I believe, Fountain. What, where, when, when Fountain was going on, where were you at that point? Did you take some time off? Did you work for somebody else? Um, well, you know, I, I learned so much um, under, you know, working with those guys and, you know, um, you know, they were both low budget films. And, uh, you know, so I worked for three on Pi and for very little on Requiem for a Dream. And, you know, obviously years had passed and we'd gotten older. Now, in between those films, you know, we had a good network of, of people, you know, Maddie, um, Eric, um, some other guys. And, and I got back into doing music videos and commercials and, um, and you know, was at that point more seasoned than I wasn't, you know, working as a PA, but I was more producing and, and, and production managing um those you know throughout those years were you producing because maddie did a lot of music videos yeah, yeah i did some with maddie and I eventually i ended up even becoming a music video director for a few years which is a whole other story but i had no uh, idea that you did that yeah. tell me about that and what uh, were the years you did that you're skipping far ahead um i don't, I don't want to skip that far <laughs> no, that's okay i'm just playing um 
Yeah, so, you know, when he was doing um, The Fountain, I was working as doing that, and then uh, a lot of producing music videos and commercials, and Darren actually came to me with an idea, um, and he had said, um, um, I want to make a film about an over-the-hill aging professional wrestler. You want to dive into the research? So while they were off doing The Fountain, you know, I started researching and making inroads into that, you know, uh, uh, low lower tier um, um, wrestling world, you know, the, in, the independent wrestling world. So uh, I, I made, made a lot of contacts, went to a lot of shows, I took some videos, I interviewed a lot of the guys, um, and, uh, and, and Darren said, you know, why don't you out, write an outline? Um, so while they're doing the fountain, I was just doing the research and, you know, just wrote an outline and, and then eventually liked the outline and wrote, wrote a treatment. Um, and, and, Years later, you know, we brought in a writer to write the screenplay um, and, uh, you know, and we made The Wrestler. And that, that was the first film I produced with Darren um, after he did the, the Fountain. You wrote the, the structure and the treatment and the bones of The Wrestler before it was handed off to a writer. I was not aware of that. Well, it, ch it changed. It changed. But it was really just about making the inroads into the world. But did, um, but did you have like the structure of the of the of the father daughter relationship already built in? Did no, I didn't have the. I, I, I had just, I really just had the wrestler story, and 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 Rob Siegel did a great job, you know, developing you know his own world, you know, with with the daughter and with the the, the, the girlfriend, you know, Marissa Tomei. That none of that was in my treatment. It was really just more like an outline about you know, these guys' lives and the things they go through, you know, living out of vans and, you know, some of them taking steroids. I mean, a lot of it was fabricated and a lot of it was, you know, um, you know, uh, just just really just outline of these guys' lives, you know. Right, um, because, 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 they, because the character, the Mickey Roar character lives in a, in, a, in a trailer, right? I mean, he's... Yeah, he lives in a trailer and, and, he, and, he, and he, on the road he lives out of his van. You know, um, and you know, a lot. Of, some of these guys did that, and you know, but it, it's you know, it's really not after any one person's life. It's you know, it's a it's a caricature of, of you know, uh, and pieces melded together of a multitude of, of you know, the possibilities of some of the way some of these guys live. Yeah, I mean, because it's such a beautifully told story. I mean, I mean, the the relationship, him as a dad, him trying to have a romantic life, him having to do things that were not you know, part of his life working in the butcher, you know, I mean, whatever, you know, like the, the, the journey of that character was so interesting. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Rob did a great job. Rob did a great job with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. And then for you, you continue on one after the other, after that black swan, you have a, it appears that I, I didn't even know about the, I, I was not engaged with you on the film that you did on Metallica and Lou Reed, but I guess, that got done with all that. Well, that was a music video that we did as a, just with Darren's relationship with Lou. But you know, but prior to um, the wrestler, I produced a small independent film, which um, Hound Dog. I don't know if you recall, which is what, yeah. gave, which is what gave you know. And Eric Watson came came with me to Sundance, and and I think it was um, you know when Eric um, wanted to took a little sabbatical or whatnot. Um, um, I think it was Eric's vote of confidence in me after seeing the producing work I'd done on Hound Dog and, and being at Sundance with him that gave Darren the confidence to have me produce The Wrestler after helping with the research and development of it, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that's where that w was born.
And, uh, and, and tell me the story of, of the process of securing uh, Mickey Rourke for, for, for the rest. <laughs> um, you know, Mickey was the person we always wanted in the film, you know. It, it was challenging to get the film made, um, to get the budget with where Mickey was in his career, but we, we courted him for, for years. And um, I, I think Rob might have even, I don't remember whose idea it was, but I mean, it, it felt like it was written for Mickey. Um, and, and, you know, we, we met with Mickey dozens of times leading up to when we finally um, secured the financing with Mickey to play the role. And talk a little bit, you know, everybody wants to, uh, you know, every conversation about a film, regardless of securing talent or how people met each other, talk a little bit about the journey of, uh, of financing. And, and I actually, you know, maybe even let's wind the clock a little further back again. Sorry to do that, but you were with Darren as an, as a, 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 in a, in a, in a role going back to Pi over all of this time, but the formation of a company began with Pi, the company Protozoa, which still, I guess, sort of exists today in some form, right? And then there was uh, a visual effects company called Amoeba Proteus, because Darren was completely fascinated with that and wanted to have uh, his hands in, in that business, as well as he had people in his life that were VFX folks like, like Dan Schrecker and to a certain extent, sure. Jeremy Dawson, who, who, who was sort of supporting some of that. Um, tell me a little bit about the foundation and the founding and the beginning of Protozoa. Well, I can't, I can't really speak to the foundation or the beginning of Protozoa. That's a little um, before my time. I mean, that, right. was, so that, was, that was with Eric. And oh, was, yeah, but, but I can tell you, when you, more importantly, when you're talking about, you know, um, the financing of films and getting films made and how it's changed over the years and, you know, um, you know from, from Black Swan, I mean, from Pi to Requiem to Black Swan, I mean, every film is, you know, every film's financing, especially in the, in the independent film world anyway, um, you know, everyone that we've done or that I've done is all taken a different course. In the, wrestler, in the wrestler, you had Wild Bunch, Correct. foreign sales. So I'm, I'm taking a wild guess. You had a foreign sales model for that. Yeah. Uh, 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 which was a pre-sales model that helped uh, secure minimum guarantee, correct? Yes, yeah, correct. You know, and, and Pi was just guerrilla filmmaking. Pi was just, you know, it was all hands on deck and, and, and you know, it was like, here's what we have, here's how much more money we need, here's the, 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 the equipment and, and props and, and set pieces that we need. Um, and if anybody can pull them together, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of where I cut my teeth and just, you know, fortunately, it was um, filmed in New York, and I had I, I, a lot of the things we need, like trucks. I had resources to get free trucks, and the computer parts to build Euclid. I, you know, resources to get free computer parts, so and free computers from. Uh, uh, but it just kind of things just worked out, and and it, it's kind of how I kind of got ingratiated into um, the circle of these guys that all had known each other from film school and from Harvard and whatnot, because you know I, I didn't know any of them. You know, um, I just came in, you know, five six years younger than them, and you know, some Long Island kid with, you know, very little film experience, no film school education, just, uh, was just, you know, a resourceful, resourceful dude that could source what we needed, and, you know, um, and then, uh, you know, hit it off with them and then just learned a lot under working with Eric, you know. And, and Eric, Eric stayed in the game through 
the through fountain, but not was not with you on wrestler. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. But he, he gave, he gave Darren, he really gave Darren um, the vote of confidence, you know, having, having worked in, you know, on pie and requiem, you know, with a lot, doing a lot of low budget gorilla type filmmaking and, and knowing the wrestler was going to be a challenge with the budget that we had, having seen what I had done on hound dog, uh, some of the stuff I'd done in the commercial and music video space, you know, it was just, it, it, wrestler was a very, um, even though we had money more than we had on pie and, and, and Requiem, um, only barely more than Requiem, it was a challenging movie. And, and it took some outside the box thinking, you know, um, you know, like using real audiences and partnering with real wrestling promotions, you know, um, and, and the type of stuff that you would do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So basically, uh, 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 from wrestler on, you have been the main guy as the as as the producer has has but you've still stayed in contact with eric has eric come back occasionally or yeah yeah of course yeah yeah and ari handel and mark Heyman sort of yeah. have been continuous as part yeah. of the team there's ari, four yeah, group. yeah ari's still you know writing and producing with Dana now and um you know mark is off doing his own thing but you know wrote wrote black swan and uh you know was always a great collaborator um, you know, it's, 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 it's a family. And once you, you're a part of it, you're, you know, it's kind of like you're a part of it for life. As you know, Charlie, you're, yeah. you're, a, you're, you're a family member. Family member. Absolutely. And then there were other people that, that you were able to jump in with during space and time between projects, sometimes after other projects wrapped, yeah. Darren was, uh, uh, kind of not on stuff for a while, like, like Julie Delpy on two days in New York and Zipper. Uh, and of course, Jackie with, uh, 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 was made as well, and uh, a whole other group of feature films that, that are all under the producing engine. Are these all under the category of, of producing efforts by Protozoa with you and Darren both, or sometimes just you on your own? Well, so there's some, so some were me on my own, and some were, you know, uh, with Protozoa. I mean, Zipper was uh, a Protozoa production. Um, uh, Jackie was always a protozoa production that I, you know, as the, the producer at protozoa, I became, you know, one, one of the producers on, on Jackie, um, um, you know, Julie Delpy and, and two days in New York. That was a pretty much a solo effort, um, of me producing uh, Julie meeting a, a seasoned New York independent producer. Um, and we got partnered up through some, some mutual, um, friends at, at, at CAA, um, agents. Um, and that was a great experience, you know, you know, having, Having you know cut my teeth as as a producer on Hound Dog, and then you know really cutting my teeth as as you know the, the sole producer on the Wrestler, um, and being able to take what I've learned working with Eric and, and Darren as a producer and be able to go and produce a film on my own, you know, without Darren directing and with someone else directing was you know was a was a great a great experience and eye opening experience, and um, I even had a small part in that movie. <laughs> That's fantastic! I love it. I, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to visualize, but I, I think I, I I think I remember seeing it. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but I love I saw. You have to pull up the clip of when the weed dealer comes to bring some weed to Julie and Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, not really to, to the guy who plays Julie's brother-in-law at Julie and Chris Rock's house. That's my. Uh, I love. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, um, uh, tell me a little bit about 
growing up in Belmore, Long Island. I know nothing of your early life. I, you know, it's typical Long Island uh, suburban upbringing, you know. Like I said, I didn't know anything from film school coming out, you know, growing up in Belmore, Long Island. But, uh, I, you know, it was great. You know, like I said, you know, uh, I was a movie fan. I was a film fan, you know. Well, there was definitely a unique moment in Long Island that you described to me that is still fixed in my memory. And it was only recently that you told me the story. Which one's that? I visited you on the set of perhaps one of the largest productions to ever happen on Long Island, Noah. Uh, in Planner's Arboretum, where you uh, produced more water in one location than than I think has ever been showered on any piece of land there. And and there was a a shoot at night where all of uh, Darren's uh, uh, buddies were were in the, the video village screening in the tent, and you were behind all of them talking and chatting about takes and a hand grips your shoulder. It's, of course, the actor Ray Winstone. It, you, you have to tell this story. For well, it, I mean, it, yeah, I, I didn't realize it, it was that funny to you, but um, yeah, it was, it was a fun moment. Uh, it was late at night, you know, the, all those scenes were night shoots. And, uh, you know, what, you know that, that was a very, you know, trying, trying film. You know, we got shut down by Hurricane Sandy and, and then there was a tree, you know, blocked our path. So we were probably at the Arboretum doing all that outdoor rain stuff overnight, um, mid-October, late October, when we were supposed to be doing it in September, where obviously the weather was a lot more forgiving. So we're showering all this rain on on hundreds, maybe thousands of people. Um, and it's it's freezing cold in the middle, you know, three, four in the morning, you know, in, in mid to late October. And... Uh, you know, everyone was tired. We were all on the video village. And it was Darren and Ari, you know, two Harvard guys. And uh, another guy that worked with us from Yale and another one from Brown. And I think uh, Trek was there. It was another Harvard guy. And, you know, it was all, you know, pretty well, smart. I, well, I, I mean, I'm no dummy, but, you know, it was all, uh, you know, Ivy League smart, you know. And, and um, Ray Winstone came up from behind me and with it in his, you know, Ray Winstone, cool cockney. British accent said to me, how the fuck did they let you into this club? <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny. And, it, you know, I think everybody overheard it and people overheard it and everybody was laughing. So it was, it was a nice, uh, it was a comical moment that, that broke up uh, a tense evening. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I could, those were long days and long nights. Yeah. And an incredible film uh, to make because of uh, the shooting in Iceland that was composited in as the background and the visual effects that were done. I mean, uh, being, I mean, of course I was still around for that. And part of that when all the, the materials were coming together and it was such a remarkable achievement. Yeah. Thank you. Film. I mean, and, and, you know, I think what's interesting is dialing back a bit. And, and this is a part of the story that I, I don't know much about. I don't know how much you're able to talk about it, but I believe that, when Darren made Fountain was the first time that there was a collaboration with uh, Arnon Milchen. Arnon was not on Requiem, right? Right. And then Arnon kind of stayed along with Protozoa. How, what was Arnon's relationship with you guys over the years? I'm just curious. 
about you know, that. That, that, that. He's a big figure in the business, and I noticed him attached to a lot of stuff over time. Well, I mean, look, I, I think he 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 loved the fountain, and I think people who have seen the fountain and um, really appreciate it. Um, so you know, it didn't um, it didn't it didn't you know uh, perform as well as everybody would have liked at the box office. But Arnon never stopped believing in Darren as a filmmaker. Um, and you know the, the the first opportunity um, he had to come back and get back into business with Darren um, on a studio film, he he jumped right in. And he's he's you know from from what I've met of Arnon and from what I know of Arnon, he's been an incredibly incredibly supportive partner. Um, he he never doubted or wavered uh, with us on on Noah, and he was uh, an incredible ally. And he was was he also? I mean, obviously, was the fountain. But was he? Was there any involvement from from Arnon on either Black Swan or, or the Wrestler? Or no? No, no, no. Those were those were independent films. So, and those were separate. No, I'm just was wondering if he had any, if he had any uh, uh, a name or hand in it or support during that period of time. No, I mean those were much lower budget films. You know, Black Swan was uh, a co co financed production with Fox Searchlight and Cross Creek Pictures with, with Brian Oliver. Um, when he was uh, at Cross Creek, and um, tell me about Cross Creek and and what that was like and how that relationship happened because because I, I these are guys from the Carolinas I forget where they're from. Well, no, I mean I, they're from they're from uh, Louisiana. The guys Louisiana. that own it, but uh, you know Brian was was my point of contact, and and you know what a small world it is that when we were on our last legs and and the movie was about to go under because the the initial financier. Um, who promised to fund the movie and we were, you know, five weeks into pre-production and, and he ran out of money. And I think his goal was to kind of offsell it, you know, get, get in there and then, and then raise the money and, and he couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, you guys were about to go into principal. You were in prep. Yeah. Financing got pulled and you needed someone to come in to, 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 to fill in. Yeah. And so, but we went to Fox Searchlight and we had great success with the wrestler who, who had initially passed on Black Swan and wanted to, you know, of course, wanted to take a look at it when we had finished it. And when, especially once we got the independent financing, we went to them to look, we're a couple of weeks out. And, and they said, look, they were in for half. So uh, Rogue Sutherland, who's, who's a, you know, great friend and agent at CAA, um, put us in touch with the guys at Cross Creek and coincidentally, you know, we needed like, you know, a lot of money the next day. You know, it wasn't time for contracts or wires or, I mean, uh, contracts or, or bonds or anything. Um, we needed money the next day to keep the office open and to keep prep on track. And coincidentally enough, Brian Oliver was at the time uh, the president who was running Cross Creek. And uh, I knew Brian really well from um, the commercial music video days when he, uh, he worked at one of the companies that I produced with a lot. So it was a great coincidence. We had a great relationship already. We had a lot of trust in each other. And uh, he was able to, you know, that relationship helped their comfort in, in not just coming in on the movie, but being able to take the risk of sending us over a big chunk of money to keep our doors open um, the next day while we worked out the deal and worked out the contract. And, uh, you know, as, as we all know, it worked out well. Worked out really well. Worked out really well. <laughs> Um, are, are you allowed to talk about the other stuff going on with Black Swan today? I mean, look, which stuff are you referring to? <laughs> well, you just referred to when we talked the other day. 
Yeah, no, I mean, look, it, it's no secret. Um, you know, it, we, who knows if it'll happen, but we're in the early exploration of doing a, a Broadway production of Black Swan on Broadway, um, which we're really, really excited about. We've got a great creative team, uh, but it's very early days and it's a very complicated film to, to translate to Broadway. And I mean, look at the, who knows what's going to happen with Broadway right now and, and, and the arts and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, we're excited about it. We're excited about the prospect of it, but it's... Uh, it's early days, and we've got a lot of hurdles and a big mountain to climb, but uh, we're, we're hopeful. What, what's going on with the, the Jessica Chastain film, The Good Nurse? We are super excited about that. We have an incredible director uh, to be as Lindholm, um, slated to direct, and it's, uh, it's going to be a Netflix film, and uh, we're doing it together with Film Nation, um, and it's Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne, and you know, uh, we were supposed to shoot this fall before COVID, um, and, you know, but so now we're just in the process of scheduling and finding a date that works for um, Tobias, Jessica, and Eddie. Um, so we're hopeful, we're confident we'll be shooting that uh, early to mid-2021. Yeah. It's, it's a great, great project, great script based on a wildly insane true story uh, about basically the, uh, the most prolific serial killer in the history of the United States. Um, we've, we've been attached to it for a long time and, and developing it for a long time with an incredible writer, uh, Christy Wilson Cairns, who, uh, just won the Academy Award and, uh, she's, uh, it's a great script and a great project. So, uh, hopefully we'll be, uh, hopefully we'll be calling you on that one soon, Charlie. I love that. Yeah. So what, what's up for. For our, our, our good friend, Mr. Aronofsky, is, are you allowed to talk about projects that you're planning on, on actually shooting that Darren will direct going forward? Or he's, he's work, we're, working, we're, we're working on something and he's working on something, but it's, uh, it's, it's close and it's personal. And uh, well, you know, uh, well, we'll see. It's early days and it's, you know, this, we'll see what happens. And then what other, right now, during this period of time, I mean, we, we, live, we live, you know, in this twisted isolation right now. And I mean, you know, uh, on August 28th, there was a, 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 certainly a, an industry announcement that movie theaters that have opened. I haven't seen any open personally. But um, what, where, what, what's your feeling right now and what's the buzz that you're getting about, about where our world is going? What, 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 what is the Scott Franklin spin? You know, there's, look, there's really not much buzz because I don't think anybody really knows for sure. Look, it's all speculation. Um, but I think as shown by this early uh, quarantine and the way um, society gobbled up all of um, the content, um, you know, the movie industry will, will never go away. Um, I'm hopeful and, and, and I, I do believe I, I think now is actually a great time. Um, cause I think a lot of great people and a lot of cre incredible creative people have been developing and thinking and, and working towards coming out of this with lots of projects ready to go. And this isn't going to last forever. I mean, the one thing we've shown in this country through a lot of, um, tragedies and a lot of controversy, um, is great resiliency and, and this won't last forever. And I do think that, um, it's been great sitting home watching some films that we would have liked to have seen in theaters and it's been great sitting home streaming um, some incredible um, TV shows and series and, and, and films. But there's 
I think that when people do feel safe enough and confident enough, um, A, to get back to work and, and be filming in, in, in the way that we know how. Um, and I think that Peter, people are going to be excited to get back to the theater. Um, I mean, I don't know if it'll be six months or a year or a year and a half, but when the time comes, I think people will be tired of watching films that should be screened on the big screen um, in, the, in their living rooms, you know? Um, and there have been some, some really good films that I've seen that were supposed to be released during this time that, you know, I wish I saw in the theater. Yeah, no, no, it's, 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 it's remarkable. I mean, there, there, there have been some real compromises uh, that have been made. Uh, uh, I think, you know, there is an imagination, I think, on the part of the high-level streamers that are 4K distributors that uh, uh, everyone is somehow set up with, you know, some form of, of uh, either huge screen projection and Atmos sound at home, but that, that's just not the case. No, it's not. And, and, and I just, and I think that people, you know, at the end of the day, there are films that are meant to be seen in the theater as, as, as evidence, you know, of, of even recent box office, which have been good. And I think when, when we do rebound, I think the box office numbers are, are going to get better than, than we've seen in the last few years, because I think, I think people are going to be hungry to get out to a theater and watch a comedy with an audience or, you know, watch a horror film with an audience, you know, I mean, that's the way some of these films are supposed to be watched and that's the way some of these films are best enjoyed, you know? I want to go back to financing again because oh, you are, right, let's do it. Let's do it, Charlie. You are a producer and, 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 and people like to talk about money. That they do. And, and, and I think that the old, the old model well, at least under the wrestler, the old model, and, and it was the old model at the time, was, was uh, uh, to, to pre-sell films and finance on pre-sales commitments, and then to do some form of, of math against uh, the various rebates and incentives that were available, and then to balance that, that debt that you were, you were gonna have collateral on with a certain amount of equity. Um, what is your vision now, or, 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 or even in general now, I mean, over the years, let, let's even treading back and moving forward, what is your vision of, of the world of debt versus the world of equity and how you've worked as a producer uh, 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 with Darren and, and otherwise um, uh, uh, to make films happen? I would, I'm, I'm curious to see whether or not the, the debt route has more eroded more and the equity route has risen. What, what, what is your, what is your playbook? I look, I, like I said earlier, I don't think there is a playbook. I think that every film, um, especially independent film that maybe the type of film that used to go under the foreign sales model, um, that would have some debt and some equity, um, uh, some bank financing. I, I think that every film is, is its own animal when it comes to financing. Um, and, and I think there will be some films that are primarily debt financed. And I think there's going to be other films where people are going to have to take risks and, and, and they're going to be heavier equity finance. Um, you know, I think the, the, the pre-sale market has gotten a little bit tougher, but I think, you know, again, like I said earlier, I do think that the film, that the theater industry will rebound, which will hopefully help elevate that, that foreign pre-sales market again. Um, I think that there are, um, there are lots of buyers. It will be lots of buyers in the U.S. Hopefully for distribution because there's only that many more out, outlets now. Are they all theatrical? No, but I mean, you know, 
there's like you said, you know, the 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 top uh, streamers, you know, they're, they they've got their game pretty buttoned up, and and there's more entering the marketplace that are going to be competitive. So you know that landscape is there, and some of them are are pushing for theatrical releases as well. I mean, Netflix bought some of their own brick and mortar theaters. Uh, Amazon has released um, um, uh, some of their films theatrically, and I think that the other um, other streamers will follow suit. So I, I think there's you know, there's going to be definitely going to be some changes, and I think a lot of them will be for the for the good and for the better of, of the filmmaker um, looking to get their films made. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, and and I do think that there will be some of the traditional theatrical release and potential foreign sales or or studio co-fi's or or um, you know indie distributor co-fi uh, productions with some equity financing partner like we did Black Swan, the Fox Searchlights of the World. Um, I, I think that, I don't think that business will go anywhere once, you know, once the world writes itself, which it will. It won't be like this forever. The other question I have is, is, is you know, when you talk to a lot of, I mean, Darren doesn't really fit into this category of, of having to struggle and make low budgets and with the risk of selling at a, at a, at a number that, you know, that, that you to be concerned about what you're going to sell at. But as a producer, um, how do you evaluate the, uh, the, the risk for, 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 uh, uh, for, for, for making back the money, uh, for the, uh, for setting up budgets that, that, that will be profitable for investors? How, how are you, how are you, how are you selling to an investor now what you're, what you're making and, and, or, or do you even have to worry about that because it's packaged with so much talent and with such great teams that it's really not that great a concern uh, uh, for each story? Again, like I said, it's the same, same similar answer that everyone is different. And yes, it, it obviously helps when you have a package of incredibly incredible talent, like we did on mother with Darren, Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem and an incredible supporting cast Ed Harris, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, you know, but I think, you know, I think one thing that producers and directors and filmmakers are, are going to have to do is everything's going to be done for a price. I mean, if you, if you don't, haven't learned or don't know how to strike the dollar and get the money on screen, um, you know, budgets are definitely getting tighter and, and they'll probably get tighter. Um, and that's okay. I mean, that, that's, that's part of it. So, you know, if you, if you show me a film that said we have too much money, no matter what the budget is, you, you know, you never have enough. So. You've got to figure out how to use what you have and put it on the screen. And at some point, if you don't get, say, your full budget and you, you're getting 80% of it, you got to figure out how to make the movie for 80% of what you wanted to make it for. And it's those type of challenges. And, and, and to me, also, those type of decisions you need to make, you know, when you're at the goal line, um, are the decisions that make a great film. You know, it, it's what are you going to cut? And usually, you know, if you're able to cut something and still feel um, – confident and happy to make and, and, and positive about the film you're about to make, then you probably didn't need it in the first place. And, and it's just, it's just, you know, trimming the fat and, 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 you know, and, and I think that the, you know, those decisions help you make a better film. But also in, in the, in, in looking out for, for equity financiers, there's a tremendous, uh, outreach to, uh, uh, people who are non-industry as well as those who are. Right. So when you're going out to raise money, there's the high net worth individuals who are the uh, the folks that want to dip their their feet into the water. 
and then there are those people when when you went when you when you when you had the opportunity to approach cross creek they were they were not out of the space right in other words they were not just money guys they actually knew the the space they were entering into oh well, i mean black swan was their first film so it's not like they you know they they were new to the space um and yeah they were you know equity equity investors um that that put together a pool of equity investors to become cross creek um so yeah they they were first time film investors so they were that was uh, that was their first time that was their first film i mean they had it yeah they had a knowledgeable um um person running the company at the time brian uh but you know the company and the money guys themselves that was all of their first film um and that was, you know, like I said earlier, that was a, a studio co-fop or many, many, many major co-fop. Tell me the story about the prep and how you put together locations for the wrestler and for Black Swan and all of that. I mean, you, you're intimately involved in every stage of the process and how you did what you did. Those were, those were great achievements for how you did what you did. Thank you, Charlie. Um, the wrestler was, you know, was a very interesting um, prep and, and very unique. And, and it, you know, it was one of, one of the favorite films I, I ever made. Um, you know, first off, we, we started out with finding the trailer park where Mickey's home was going to be. Um, and, 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 and we set that up. But then, you know, as far as the venues for the uh, wrestling matches, like I said, we partnered with existing wrestling promotions. Um, so I believe three out of four of them, we went and used the locations where they were putting on the shows. Um, you know, the one in Rahway, um, uh, the, the hardcore match, which was in Philadelphia, is the one time we stepped out of New Jersey. Um, and, and the other ones were all, you know, I think there was one where we, 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 where the promotion didn't have a location and we found it together in, I think it was a church or a community center or, or something in, somewhere in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, we branched out from there. You know, we tried to, obviously, if we had back-to-back -back days, if we could stay as close as possible and have the move from one location to the next be, be as short as possible and kind of work our way. Um, you know, the, uh, the boardwalk scene was a no-brainer in New Jersey. I mean, the boardwalk scene doing Asbury Park. and then Absolutely. Yeah, and then we were fortunate enough to get the king of Asbury Park and Bruce Springsteen to do the closing credits song, which was incredible. Um, so that was great. And, and Black Swan was... Black Swan was a different kind of challenge because we, you know, we had a week of exteriors in New York, uh, which we shot first, maybe 10 days. And then we needed to find a theater. You know, we wanted to find a theater where, where we can do those amazing shots that we did that went from the stage down the stairs into the dressing rooms and the hallways and, and in one, in one shot, you know, and that, that was going to be a challenge, especially in New York with the, with, you know, you're not going to get a Broadway theater or, or something at Lincoln center. And, um, so we went up to SUNY Purchase, um, which has an incredible arts program and has a great theater. And we happened to be shooting at a time that they were dark um, in, in January, and they gave us their theater, and it was it worked out great. So we were pretty much, you know, outside of our week to ten days of uh, exterior in New York to start, and uh, we had and and the and the four or five days in the apartment in Brooklyn, um, which was um, Nina's uh, apartment with her mother. We were all at SUNY Purchase, so it was great. We were able to just park ourselves there and, and be there for a month or so and just, you know, go to the same place every day and not have to move, and it worked out really well. Outrageous.
gorgeous. And then, and then for me, you know, uh, 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 what you guys did uh, uh, after that later on with, with Noah in Iceland, I mean, that, that was insane. T tell me a little bit about the, the way that everything came together how did everything, first of all, how did everything come together for Noah? Tell me about, I mean, I, I mean, I was obviously there because my job was to make sure that you could shoot on film. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't easy, was it, with all that water? And you, and, you, and you kept calling me back and saying, Charlie, can you put a square peg in a round hole? And I'm like, I sure can, but I'm going to have to use Get it. It's what we always do. Don't we always put square pegs in round holes? Pretty much. Yeah. But I got us there, but oh, my God. Sweating yeah. bullets all the way. Oh yeah, um, and 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 doing uh, uh, counter budgets between digital capture and film. To me, uh, uh, you know, working with you and Darren uh, uh, was always about the the the, the love of, of the image and overcome and overcoming the challenges and, and also and loving film. I mean, you know, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, throw, throw Maddie and throw Maddie into the mix, and you know, and, and yeah. I mean, it was just beautiful. But then. But then the work that not just got done by, by the visual effects artists doing creature creation, which was absolutely, I mean, the work that I saw done creating the, the birds, uh, uh, that was just, it was insane. It was insane. That creature creation work that was done by ILM, I believe, yes. uh, was, was, was outrageous. Um, Thank you. But then you had, I visited the set in Planners Arboretum, and then you had the, the entire composited background is all Iceland. And, and so, so everything surrounding that circular treed off area where the arc was in planners was all uh, uh, composited in Icelandic uh, 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 lush green land. Um, Maybe I gotta watch this film again, Charlie. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was beautiful work, bro. But 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 to me, once again, producer, puzzle. Where do you shoot Iceland? Tell me the story of Iceland. I don't. I mean, I don't think I don't know the story of. I know that you shot in Iceland. I know nothing of how of how the team decided. I, Planners Arboretum was easy for me. I mean, easy. What am I going to say? You had to do construction. You had to build an ark. That was a lot of work. It was in the New York area. It was like you know. It was the Darren. Uh, 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 perimeter, Iceland. No, not that. That was uh, that was a, a choice that was made very specific at that moment. Tell me the story of Iceland and how that all came together. Both, both, both Iceland and New York were very um, specific, but I, I wish I could take credit for for the choice in Iceland. I mean, it's um, I'd never been to Iceland before. We decided on the, on, on Iceland, and Darren had been there a number of times. And uh, you know, look, knowing that we needed. Uh, a wide array of landscapes, but particularly some dry and arid um, landscape before when, during the drought, and then you know the you know the lush the Methuselah's mountain. Um, you know that was Darren's vision um, from the beginning. So it, it worked out really well that Iceland was um, a budding um, film community um, and had some great production uh, teams already there on the ground. Uh, they had shot a, a few big films there before we got there, and, and the, the crew, the, you know, the team with True North was incredible. Um, so, you know, Iceland was always the location we wanted. I mean, of course, you know, we, we did our homework and we explored other areas. Um, we explored South America, we, you know, Canary Islands, but we always came back to Iceland, you know, and 
it, it worked out really well. I mean, what a beautiful place. I mean, it, it, there's no place like it on the world, in the world. So, um, you know, it worked out. That's where we always wanted to film it. I mean, the, the, the varying and the different types of landscapes from like dry desert-like to rock, you know, marsh, almost Mars-like to lush, lush green mountains to, you know, um, you know, I mean. And there's water surrounding. I mean, lava, you know, lava fields, you know, the moss. I mean, it's just, it has every type of landscape, you know, earth-like and, and other world-like, you know, Mars-like, you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, it's a beautiful place to shoot and, you know, and, and, you know, they had a tax credit there, so it made sense. Tremendous, tremendous, yes. uh, uh, use of, of location. And then the other thing that was amazing in that project was, was, was the, uh, also the visual effects of the body creation too, because for the, the fight scenes, I mean, you guys were, you guys were, were basically producing additional bodies in visual effects on the ground. It was wild. I mean, everything yeah. you guys did was, it was such a great achievement, uh, 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 outrageous, uh, 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 beautifully done. When, when, when you went off to Montreal uh, uh, to, to, to do Mother, I had the chance, it was funny, I, I visited the set for that because I was dropping my son off at college in upstate New York and Canton, New York. So I looped through Montreal and came to the set to visit you guys. And I saw at Mel's stages, the house that you built, but I never went out to the exterior location that you shot at there. That was also once again, uh, uh, mm -hmm. an, an enclosed like building stage with a house built inside of it. And then clearly you had some type of uh, of exterior that that you that the characters would go out into. Tell me about how how that project came together in in specifically in Montreal. Now I know that Darren had done Fountain in Montreal, but but how how did how did you guys end up uh, uh, shooting up there? I mean, look, we we always try to shoot in New York, like you know, to, you know. I mean, people thought we were crazy to shoot Noah in New York, um, uh, and and you know that's. Just, we're New York filmmakers and we want to stay in New York and close to home, but it, it just didn't, we just couldn't do it with mother. Um, it didn't, it didn't make sense financially and we just couldn't afford it. So um, Darren had a great experience making the fountain in Montreal. It's close to New York. Um, the crews out there are, are great and, and artists like in their own right. Um, so it, it made a lot of sense. Plus we had a lot of uh, visual effects shots with, they have a great rebate for that. And it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, the two sets, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that really uh, separates Darren as a filmmaker from, from most filmmakers and the rest of them. I mean, his vision to, to you know, most filmmakers and, and what a lot of people were pushing us to do for cost savings reasons was rather than build the house twice, um, so it would be to, you know, wrap it in green screen on the stage and just, you know, whenever there's a window, we could put it in the outside. But to get the performances he was going for from the actors um, when, when they're outside and, and when we're looking out a window or you see out a window, it just felt, he knew and it felt right to not put that whole film on a stage and have you go show up to a stage and work on a stage every day. Um, and the way we built that's, you know, half the house outside um, and we filmed those scenes, uh, I, I think it really, really put the actors into the space. Not that they couldn't have performed without it because they're all incredible talents, but just the actors, the crew, the feel, it, it, it really brought it to life, you know? Um, so I think that was a really smart decision. Expensive, 
but um, <laughs> but but smart. Yeah, because you had to go from these. Uh, I remember being there in the scene where where uh, uh, I, I believe Jennifer was going through the room trying to find her baby, and it was like this like chaotic interior scene. And then there are all these transitions to outdoors throughout in from the house to outdoors with Ed and, and of course, Jennifer and Javier. Um, and it, and there's, and, and, and then there are the images of the house from the out, outdoors, but you had a very seamless environment going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank beautiful. you. So, what what what's your uh, 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 what is your 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 desire uh, and 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 for next up for you for uh, for things outside the feature world? Do you ever? I, I never asked you guys whether you want to do episodic. I, I don't have any reference to know whether or not this is part of your world or whether you've already developed it. But I've 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 never uh, had a conversation with Darren about it, and I don't think or with you. Um, look, I, I have some episodic projects that I'm working on, um, uh, maybe one or two with Darren. And then there's some things that I know he's working on that he might be working on with Ari. Um, so th there's a bunch of things floating around in the mix and we'll figure out the formula for it. And, you know, but, uh, yeah, of course, I mean, you know, in this world, how could you be closed minded to, uh, wanting to do episodic television right now? Or episodic no, 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 it's a, that's a, it was a question. I was curious about because I mean clearly now in my world that that's been sort of enveloping me in, in my my working life uh, outside of uh, of the fun that we have here. Um, so I'm always curious to hear what 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 my old friend is up to when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, that you'd have to ask him. I will. <laughs> I will. I You're talking to me, Charlie. I try, you? I try to get him on. So Darren, Darren, would you come on? Well, I don't have a project right now. No, I, I'm just joking. No, no, no. I mean, he, he, he and I have chatted about 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 having uh, having him join me here. Um, you you have in your life. Not only did you make a a, a film called The Wrestler, but you, but you have a young wrestler in your life. Um, uh, 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 and I've I've seen videos of him do things that are quite remarkable on the wrestling mat. Uh, uh, tell me about your own personal connection to wrestling. And did your son get involved in wrestling because you yourself were a wrestler? Uh, tell me more about that. I mean, I've seen the images. I know we're going out of the movie world, but I had to do that since the wrestling poster. The wrestler is behind me and we've talked about wrestling. Yeah. I, you know, I have to say, Charlie, you know, I, I do like that. It, it, you have the black swan and the wrestler poster up there behind you and and I, what I like even more is that you didn't just put it up for me, that I, I watched your other podcasts. and every episode. Yeah, I have them on there in every episode. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, was a, I was a wrestler when I was a kid. I wrestled in high school. I mean, obviously not professional wrestling, you know, uh, collegiate style and high school wrestling style. Um, my, my son actually got involved in wrestling by chance. I didn't, I didn't push him into it, but... Um, he was young, and, and we now we've lived in the town of, of Long Beach, Long Beach, New York, um, which has an incredible high school wrestling program. But when he was young, he, we, took, we, we took him to a day camp, and he aptly, when he first moved to Long Beach, and the day camp was a few towns over, and he had to take a bus, and he was probably six, seven years old, and he absolutely hated the day camp. But we had to put him in something. So 
uh, we brought him over to the Long Beach Rec where they had like a local camp that was less more regimented and a little more free. And it just so happened that the guy who ran it um, fell in love with my son and my son fell in love with him as a, as a, as a counselor, the guy who was the, the director of the camp. And he actually happened to run a youth wrestling program. Um, I, I never knew. I would have never thought. I didn't know that there was, you know, wrestling teams at six, seven, year, eight years old. And I just got to talking to him. And when the wrestling season started, he goes, you got to bring Mason down and put him on the, on the mat. And I said, I'd love to. And then, you know, I, it, the rest was history. I mean, I helped coach the, the youth program with him for a while once uh, Mason started. And then my other son started. So it's been a fun journey. It's been a fun journey. Important stuff in life. Absolutely. Right. I mean, we, 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 I mean, for me, I guess, I mean, I have all of my outside activities, but wrestling's not one of them. Golf is, but no. there you go. But, uh, but yeah, I recently took up golf, Charlie, you know, um, during this quarantine, it was like the first outdoor activity you can do. So I, I've played golf once a year at the Long Beach Wrestling Golf Outing, which really wasn't much of a golf outing. If You know, by the time you get to the sixth hole, a bunch of wrestling dads and whatnot, you know, playing golf. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've tried to play a few times over the years, but it's hard when you do what, what we do because it's like you can't take off for four or five hours in the middle of the day. And, and when and you have kids, you can't just play on the weekend. It's like, you know, you can't shut your phone off and who wants to go on the golf course? when you're staring at your phone or you're waiting on a call or, and who wants to play with you when you have to take a call. Um, so I, ne I never really got into it. I never had the headspace for golf. And now sure. since quarantine, Charlie, maybe we have to get out on the links, me and you, huh? got to get out on the links together, bro. Let's do it. Yeah. So I played maybe 10 times since the, since, you know, this, cause you know, my phone's not ringing really, you know, if I miss a call, it's not the end of the world. My head is clear. So I can golf. It is, uh, uh, it is such a, a lovely game, and, and it, has, it has gone through uh, not only a renaissance during the pandemic because it's one yeah. of the first sports that came back out, but, uh, but you're right. We, we, we do have to turn our phones off and get into a peaceful space, which is what yeah. I love about the game. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know I asked you uh, uh, before a little bit about growing up in Belmore, but I asked you not at all about your mom and dad and – what your mom and dad did in in life what would what was your what was your father's world like for work and what was it like growing up in your family was your father your father was not a producer right you know no, no. um my father um when i was a kid was in the bingo business um which in the 70s and 80s was a, a pretty big uh, as you know gambling game um around New York and, and the country and, and Canada. And uh, his father was a bingo supply manufacturer, one of the first. So um, it, was, it was interesting, you know, um, being around that crowd and those folks. Um, but, you know, the, the, most, the, the most important thing for me as far as the influence of my parents is they always encouraged me to follow my dreams. You know, um, when I told them that I wanted to get into the movie business and move out to LA, you know, most, uh, you know, parents professionals and, and and they don't they don't know the business even parents that do know the business um you know would encourage their kid to go be an accountant or go to law school and uh they never they never deterred me from my dreams they always encouraged me to pursue my dreams and do what i want to do and just whatever you whatever you do to give it a hundred percent and uh you know like i said i mean i i found my love in film through my relationship with film with my father um as a young kid so 
um, I, I credit them a lot for for where I am in this industry and in and, and my career and that, um, you know, I found my passion through him and, and my they, they always encouraged me, you know, when I was they working. Were, they were cinema lovers. They liked they like the movies. Yeah, not my, my, you know, that, you know they, he liked to go to the movies. He still does. I mean, he, you know, you know, he'd go to the movies two, three times a week um, before even before this pandemic. If I could go with him, I'd go with, with his friends and he'd see anything. Um, so yeah, he, he, he definitely loved the movies and, and he taught me to love the movies at, at a young age. Um, like I said, he, he, he would have me, he'd pull me out of school and lie and say at a doctor's appointment, he'd cut work and we'd go to the movies together. Wow. <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, it was, it was kind of always in me. And, and so it, it kind of made sense when that's what I wanted to do. You know, um, I'd like to think I could have done anything I wanted if I put my mind to it, which is what, you know, how I was raised. And, and the encouragement they always gave me, and this is what I put my mind to, and, and you know, it's worked out okay so far. And, and, uh, uh, and, and now that we have, you know, we've had to have a break in the action. I mean, I mean, I've been doing some things, but it's been a time where people have been able to sort of plan, right, for the future and think more. What has it been like for you uh, uh, during this period of time when you're not on set and not doing all the, not being able to, to be on the run. You know, it's been, it's, it, in some ways it's been hard and in some ways it's been a blessing. Um, you know, the, uh, on the work side, especially early on, it was frustrating not having the answers, not knowing when things were going to go. And there was a lot of uh, planning to plan, you know, um, you know, let's do this. Let's, you know, especially with films that we had coming up that we were hoping to shoot in the fall, like we mentioned the good nurse, um, you know, it's like, you know, oh, if we can't shoot in New York, we'll shoot it here. We'll shoot it here. Which which states are opening up to shoot during COVID? And you know, then you plan for that state and you fill out the tech. And and the actors don't know their dates. And then you know, and then when you realize that it's just not in your control, and as soon as things open up, you open up. And, you know, you you let it go a little bit. And then you know, the blessings in it, like I said, is playing golf. And but most importantly, is just more time with my kids and more time with my family. And you know, taking up you know trying taking up silly things when I was a, a kid I was a you know back in high school I was an artist you know so I, I, I ordered you know some some oil paints online at Amazon and it started painting you know that lasted you know three weeks a month you know and you just I love that I want to I want to see the work man nah, nah, it's not ready yet Charlie I got to finish it <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic yeah um so you know just do different things you know um and, and you know it, it's you know, we all were forced to, to, to unplug for a little bit. Um, and, you know, if you're able to take advantage of that time um, with certain things, then and you, you made the best of it. You know? I, I personally subscribe to the Criterion channel on Apple TV and uh, just began to scour uh, uh, anything that I had not seen in my life. There you go. We do have more time to look at stuff, even if it's not the right way. Any recommendations from the Criterion collection on Apple? You know... Right now, not no no. Oh. I don't have anything specific that I would recommend. I mean, I mean, I've been looking at the Kijelovsky films like Blue, Red, and White, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, I would obviously recommend seeing those because they're they're classic. But uh, um, but no, you know, and then some of the Japanese uh, uh, classics, right. you know. Uh, but but you know, nothing. Uh, I I I would have to. I would, I, I always, I always sort of keep 
my list scattered and and uh, and 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 not uh, uh, not systematically down. It kind of drives my girlfriend crazy because she says, "What should we watch tonight?" And I'll say, uh, and and she'll wonder why I can't. I don't have something on the tip of my tongue. I have to be inspired to see a film. But I will say that right now, looking back at movies like Wag the Dog and Bob Roberts mm-hmm. and uh, all those films. They they feel like the right ones to be watching at a time like today. So Meg the Dog was such a classic project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love you with all my heart, brother. Likewise, brother. Much fun, Likewise. and and yeah. thank you for 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 taking and carving out some time and to hang out and uh, and uh, and and uh, let's. Uh, Let's get our friend. I, you know, I, I'm I'm rounding up all of Protozoa. I, 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 the only one I have left is Darren. I think. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, <laughs> get Ari on there, man. Get Ari Handel. That's true. <laughs> Ari Handel. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Mark Heyman. How are those guys doing? They're they're uh, they're, they're doing, doing great. Doing great. Yeah. 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 They're they continue to write stuff for that you guys and work with you guys. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being here today, bro. Love you, love you, love you. You got it, Charlie. And uh, uh, we'll we'll do this again sometime. Thank you. I look forward to it, man. Thanks for having me. That's funny. All right, brother.